life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Well, hello. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It is the Friday before Christmas. Wow. And you were just saying it to me. This is our last podcast of 2017. We're taking next week off. This is our last podcast of 2017. That's crazy. I'm floored by this. It, it's been really weird to prep for this podcast, mm-hmm. to be honest. Nothing like scrolling backwards on your photos, mm-hmm. on your phone, and going, oh, yeah, we did that. Oh, yeah, I had that uh-huh. experience. Oh, my gosh. This is our end of it's year car of the year review of the – actually – we, we do what we call a state of the show podcast, which yeah. is kind of where are we, where have we been, where are we going? That'll actually be the next one. Early 2018, first one 2018 will be that one. I think Chance may even join us. Yeah, that'll be fun. But for tonight, it's a car of the year podcast based on your questions. Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and out myself right now real quick. I have a cold. I'm doing what you're not supposed to do when you record, and that is you're not supposed to have anything in your mouth. Right. I have a lovely lozenge in my mouth. We have a running joke here that there are many words that we hate. Moist, tissue, and lozenge are three of those words. I have one in my mouth just so I don't cough quite so much. I apologize if you hear it rattling around. That's what's going on. I, haven't, I don't have weird loose teeth or anything. So that's happening. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We are, we are sorting through colds and weather, but this is, this is what happens at wintertime, doesn't it? Yeah, agree. Thank you all for listening. Agreed. There's been Agreed. so much growth of the podcast this year. Obviously, we went to TV. We're going more TV. By the way, coming in a couple of weeks. No <laughs> pressure. So thank you, guys. Many of you have been writing this week just to say thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you, guys, honestly, for being with us. Yeah, we, we so appreciate it. And as a matter of fact, Ted P., from two pilgrimage trips now, has written us an email, and I emailed him just today. He's laughing as I'm talking now. I said, hey, do you mind if I read aspects of your email on the podcast? Because this so sums it up for your experience and your transformation as a mm. driver and an enthusiast. It's simply titled, Thanks for the Podcast. Well, and also it shows how much we have, how do I want to put this? Been a bad influence to many, <laughs> exactly. many people. All wives, many wives out there love us, but many love I'm, us as well. I'm wondering if, uh, yeah, more than just you, Ted, are, uh, are having these proclivities now. But uh, I have to read aspects of this email. And so he's just thanking us for the podcast. And I will add to Todd, thank you guys for following along, for yeah, asking for sure. questions for sure. and being engaged. And we hope 2018 represents massive growth for us in podcast and television and everything. We continue to work hard and, and we're looking forward to 2018. But as, t- as Ted has been reflecting on his year, as I reflect <laughs> on the past year, I'm struck by how much your podcast has impacted my life. You guys don't get all the blame, but you've certainly been a catalyst for many changes. So he does a bunch of before and after scenarios. <laughs> before, I would only drive to go skiing or hiking. After, my typical day includes a 45-minute drive up the mountain just for fun. <laughs> Burning gas just for fun. Before, I had a CVT and an automatic. About the same time, he had the PDK, so he bought the 911. Mm-hmm. After, PDK, another PDK, and a manual. <laughs> Welcome to a Porsche garage. My how things change. He bought himself a gorgeous 997 GTS, by the way. It is a very pretty car. Which he tracks the daylights out yeah, of, we too. Saw, he was at Laguna with fast. us, too. Absolutely. Before, frugal spending on Nissans. After, reckless spending on Porsches. We are a bad influence. <laughs> I, I, Ted, I'm sorry to your wife. I've met her. She's lovely. I'm oh, sorry yes. to your wife. Before, all seasons are good enough. After, winter tires on every car. Now the guest room closet is full of track tires that can't handle the cold. (laughs) 
Perfect. <laughs> What's in here? Uh, yeah, don't open that door. You're, Honey, please, no. please don't open that door anymore. <laughs> you can no longer have that closet. That's mine. And then the last one on here before was watch Top Gear and fantasize about ra- buying Range Rovers and Aston Martins. Afterwards, watch Top Gear and now remember his own experience on the same or similar tracks, roads, and cars. It's awesome. It's awesome. I laughed and laughed with yeah, each sure. category, Ted, and thank you so much. And uh, like I said, we love hearing from you guys. We love just hearing. Mm-hmm. If you want to drop us mm-hmm. a note on, uh, hey, this happened and I realized this cool thing about myself. And For sure, yeah. Doing this. We love reading that stuff. Even if we can't respond right away, we do get to everything. We read everything. It's, we do read it all. It's gnarly. There's no way to respond <laughs> to it all, but we do absolutely read it yeah. all. EverydayDriverTV at Gmail is the direct place to email us, or you can reach us through the website, EverydayDriver.com. Also, updated e- info on the new TV season is coming to the website. Another thing that has to be done. And info on next year's pilgrimage will be updating. We'll keep you updated here as well. Yeah, agreed. And we'll be back on the podcast in 2018 before the Velocity Channel Season 2 starts. Yeah, it's like of January course, we'll the 2nd. We'll be back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll be back right after the first of the year. And then uh, the, the season actually officially starts January 6th. That's Saturday. 7.30 yeah. Eastern. So the same time slot we had before. Set mm-hmm. your DVRs. You mentioned some people's DVRs are already populating before. Mine only does three days out for some reason. A lot reason. of people, depending upon your service, it may actually populate three weeks out. So if it populates right. already, I, I'd love to see a screenshot. Send us a screenshot. I, here's, the th- here's the reason I'm asking. Not because I'm vain. I want to know what thumbnail they're using <laughs> because they screwed it up last year. So if it's exactly. got a thumbnail of Everyday Driver, I'd like to see what that thumbnail is. I'm literally quality checking right now. So if you want to send me that th- thumbnail, I'd <laughs> love to see it. Just take a photo with your phone. Send it in. And uh, that that would be very helpful. Again, uh, we QC everything. It's amazing. The minutia <laughs> for sure going yeah. on TV. Anyway, well, we've got a great podcast, guys. We are talking about cars of the year and experiences of the year that Todd and I are reflecting back. And then we've got loads of questions. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I posted for, hey, we're, we're taking lots of them. We may spend 20, 30 minutes on questions. I think it'll be the second half of the podcast. Of yeah. But uh, yeah, cars of the year. And I'd like to just start off with some thoughts and then you can take it anywhere okay. you want to go. Okay. But looking back as I was scrolling and scrolling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on my phone, we were on Velocity Season 1 from April to June. I, I remember. I was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. prepping that. Yeah, it was quite a bit of work. We drove the Alfa Romeo Quadrifolio, the Julia Quadrifolio. Mm-hmm, we did. We've been wanting to get into that. You bought a Lotus Elise. That happened. Yes, it's true. And then reflecting on, I thought I was going and getting an M2 direction. Now... Not having an M2 is sort of like platinum world problems, I realize. You're right. Absolutely true. I, I, I'm putting that out there. I, mean, I only have a Cayman GTS. Yeah, darn. Wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it just kind of reflecting back, remembering like, oh, yeah, I kind of gave up on that dream and hope. And, and uh, it's actually set me in new directions, to be honest, new thinking for 2018. And I'm excited about that. You don't buy an M2. We go do lemons and you go, a trailer. <laughs> exactly. Trailers are cool. What fits in trailers, race cars, naturally, and tires. Ted keeps them in his closet. Maybe I'll keep mine in the Frightening. trailer. Frightening. But then also reflecting on all the shows that either one or both of us were able to attend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And looking back, starting with CES. I was at CES. That's right, you were. We had the Gold Rush Rally come through Park City. Remember that? We did, because, you know, madness comes through here, for sure, yeah. We had the Salt Lake City show of all the uh, the stanced and slammed and all those cars. That was April, yep. I think. Uh, Long Beach IndyCar race. I also went to the Sonoma IndyCar race. We had, what else? The 24 Hours of Lemons. Uh, As part of the pilgrimage trip, we went to Classic Stadt and Motor World. Mm -hmm. 
And the Mercedes and, and Porsche Museums. And the Mercedes and Porsche Museums. I went to the Frankfurt Motor Show. You were all over this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Motor Press Guild Track Day, where we drove a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. SEMA, the Laguna Seca PCH Drive. So that was episode six. And yep. then finally, the LA Auto Show. I'm floored by yeah. just the sheer amount. As, the sheer amount of travel that is not necessarily amazing. go drive a car is really shocking. I agree with that. So jump in anywhere. I'm curious to know what things struck out. I, I actually listed a bunch of things, you know, cars that we shot for various Fast Blaster mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. that stuck out, and then cars that I saw, and then also I kind of had at the end here cars that I thought I would drive this year and cars that I wanted to get into. Oh, good. Good, good. Okay. So we'll That's excellent too. stuff. I didn't really get into what's in the future yet. I was thinking about stuff we either drove for one reason or another or at, even if we haven't released it or stuff we drove at Motor Press Guild Track Day. I got a yeah. good list from that. Yeah, that was And great. some stuff we drove for the next TV season. I don't mean to do spoiler alert here. I'm not going to say exactly where they land, but stuff that I was like, that made an impression. Sure. So, But I do have to say... Yes, I bought an Elise this year, but I think one of the most influential cars or one of the big highlight cars of the year for me was actually that supercharged Exis. Our friend Sean oh, came sure. through town That's right. driving from a terrible drive, Michigan to LA in, a, in an Elise. <laughs> you just I had enough it. trouble doing LA to Salt Lake in an Elise. He was doing yeah. Detroit to LA in an Elise, oh. but he stopped here in Utah, got some good roads in. If you've watched our piece called Therapy, that was in his car. That was kind of the end of an era. What I mean by that is I've driven many, many, many Elises, many Exeges. I love them. I wasn't quite too selling the FRS. It was mm-hmm. kind of in the back of my mind as a tickle. I drove that car, and it was the beginning of the end. So People have asked, yeah. actually, was that drive and that film – did that push you over the edge? And, you know, yes and no. You, yeah. you have a, you know, scale models of Elise's all over the house. You have, true, true, true. You know, been obsessing about them for 10 years. You've it, driven plenty, yeah. as you said. Totally. So, yes and no. It was coming to the realization after that drive, then, and, and honestly, during that drive, I wasn't even thinking, I need to get one right now, it needs to happen. But it was a series of events after that that led to now I own one that mm-hmm. I love. Sure. So I kind of have to put that car as one of the big cars of the year because it leads to the car that I have, which is amazing, and I love it, yeah. and is now quietly parked in the garage while the Mini gets very dirty. So that's going on. Um, so I said that. And then from something from last season of TV hmm. that I keep thinking, what a cool car. Okay. Mercedes GLA AMG 45. Oh, my gosh. That is yeah. the, uh, that's one of the kings of the hot hatches for me right now. It's not an SUV. I don't care how they want to sell it. It's not a CUV. It's one of the kings of the hot hatches. That's a really cool car. Yeah, I agree. I, I was really struck by the upscale, what do I get as a hot hatch enthusiast? What do I get next kind of mm-hmm. aspect about this car? I did see, though, coming up on uh, some news channels here, Consumer Reports is saying the Mercedes GLA is the least satisfying car in America. Do you see this? It just came I did not. out. I did not. It had to do, it didn't talk about the AMG version, but it was just saying, okay. you know, noisy and cramped and all those kinds of stuff. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, fast and but it's, delightful. And I loved it. But it's missold, though. It's mis, It's mispositioned, I think. It's a it's unique, buy a though. cheap, it's buy a cheap SUV from Mercedes, but it's not an SUV. Right. It's a hatch on a lift kit. And BMW has nothing to compete with this car. You well, realize that. The X1 would... is not a fun hatch kind of thing. But it's just 
SUV. But I would submit to you that in that market segment, it's a better success because it's got more room. It's it's a little more nice. Oh, so absolutely. As a result, it, if you're buying a CUV from a luxury manufacturer, the X1 is a much bigger success than the GLA is. I mean, it doesn't appeal to enthusiasts. It doesn't have to. Exactly. It sells and so, so they positioned the it incorrectly, I think. Yeah. But the, but the GLA AMG 45 is a, is a riot. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Well, uh, yeah, coming back to the M2, and I thought, uh, I, I like that. The Audi RS3 has intrigued the daylights out of me, mm-hmm. the brand new one. And I, I keep talking to you about this and kind of going, what if, what yeah. if? Because of the all-wheel drive nature now, sure. as far as the fun handling nature, an M2 is going to outshine this car. So is a 1M, by the way. Sure, sure. But I just keep going, huh, that's kind of an interesting little winter car. As you probably heard, the Jeep is going up for sale. Mm-hmm. And I am inheriting my dad's Ford Excursion EL with the giant running boards that fold out when you open the door. This car is huge. Take it to 200000 That's my plan. It's got like 111000 on it now. It's been up the Alcan Highway four times. Back and forth to Alaska. You're going to need half the block to park that with the trailer behind it. (laughs) No kidding. You're going to need like extra long. We're going to need the the cops flanking you as you go down the road with that followed by a huge (laughs) trailer. That's not okay. If I have to have amber lights on this thing. Practically, yes. Flashing amber lights. But uh, yeah, the the various episodes that stuck out of my mind that were unexpected to me. We had driven the 2002 BMW. Mm -hmm before mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah, yeah. finally that got released as a fast blast yeah. but the one that really was surprising was that z4 m coupe no i agree with you that, that was a, an that's unexpected on my list too. pleasure agreed. Agreed. it just kind of came out of nowhere it popped up and we got to drive and we thought why don't we turn it into a fast blast mm-hmm. and we did and it was you know i i suppose overlooked by the enthusiast car community generally speaking because well, the, nobody's going after these cars the z3 m coupe is an icon very much and as so. a result the z4 m coupe is the lesser one yeah, I'd agree. And I think people haven't discovered that car. It's brutal. It's mm-hmm. raw in it's many very ways. Aggressive. It instantly I just enjoyed it. It instantly wound up on my hmm list. Yeah. And I was already shopping Elise's. Yeah. And then true. drove that and went, should I do this? I mean, no, I should do an Elise. But I really, yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. It was cool enough. It actually made me pause, which is saying quite a bit since I was laser focused uh, on Elise's. Yes, that is huge, actually. Uh, what else? The GT350R and the mm-hmm. Camaro ZL1. So that'll be an episode. That's a cool episode, actually. I'm really looking forward to that. We had a lot of fun doing That's that. It's a great one. Astounding cars to drive fast on mountain roads. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then coming back, just revisiting episode two, which will be the. 87 or 88 E30 M3? The 88 E30 M3. Right, yes. against the 87 Porsche 911 3.2 Carrera. That's a really that's one of my favorite episodes of season two. I, but that was just a cool day. I love watching that and remembering and, and gosh, you know, the, well, the smells mean, you can't translate on camera. That's true. The that's smells true. of these cars, that oil, oily and yeah. Leather and yeah. vinyl and all that mixed together. That episode is actually titled Legends because let's be honest, both those cars at this point are legends in the enthousiast, enthusiast community, but I've never seen them side by side. Yeah, true. People have talked about them side by side. We had the rare opportunity. One of them was out of 50 Years of 911. The other was out of Icon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Figure out amongst yourselves which was which. And we actually gathered them together to make an episode of TV, and it gave us an opportunity to drive them back to back, which was so unique. Yeah. And it was like a time warp for the day, and it was very, it was so much fun. That was on my list, too. So much fun. What was amazing to me is looking at the calendar this year that how much car stuff happened in our lives 
after the middle of August, say. Oh, you're right. You're right, yeah. I was astounded. I mean, yes, Pilgrimage was in there, but then we just finished shooting just last weekend. Yeah, you're it right. It went all the way up to the end of the year. Also, one of the big highlights for me was um, the Alpha Julia in general. Oh, yes, yes. Now, we drove the Quadrifolio for our M3 piece that was part of Season 1. It's actually getting a rerun in Season 2, but we drove the, the QF or the QV then, okay? But then I drove it on track at Motor Press Guild Track Day. It was also right. brilliant there. And then recently, we shot it for a Fast Blast. We drove the base Julia. Right. All of right. these three experiences have brought me to the conclusion. I, look, I know we can go off on rabbit trails about reliability and this breaks and that breaks. I know we can, but I'm just talking <laughs> about it as a driver perspective. That is a phenomenal sedan in any form. That's right. You had it back on track. The blue I had it on track. Portfolio. I took the blue one out. Right. And that, here's the thing. For all of the reliability issues, when you and I have had any of these cars – the QV against the M3, the one that was being beat on on the track, yeah, and the base one that we drove recently in LA, n- none of them have even had a whisper of a problem. True, true. And they so, were just getting ground into dust. I know that they've had issues, but here's the thing. All of the ones we've had have just run. And I've been impressed that in any scenario I've had that car, I've just liked it, which makes me just conclude that's a great, great car. Yeah, right. Well, I do want to talk about all the cars from Track Day, but another one that stuck out as a fast blast that is still unreleased mm-hmm. is the 1992 R32 Nissan Skyline right-hand drive that we had. Pretty fun, yep. This will be fun. It was very different. It was a little bit cool. It was kind of towards the end of the mountain road driving season. Yeah. But we got it done, and this will come out at some point in 2018. That'll probably be January is probably what's going to happen, yeah. You're thinking January for that guy? Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was really a cool car that stuck out in my mind. You and I haven't had too much experience in right-hand drive cars. True, true, true. We have had that Caterham on track, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why not just do it all? right into the deep end. Let's just just take a big flying leap into the fire. That'll be fun. But this was really cool. I'm looking forward to sharing that piece. Another fast blast we shot that was really cool. Again, we're teaser teaser all over the place for next year, but recently drove a Ferrari 355 Coupe. Yeah. Oh, it was nice than I expected, and mm-hmm. honestly, I never expected that I'd get in and, that car. And different than I expected. I don't want to. I don't want to say much more. Yeah, about I was going to say. I want just, you to elaborate, but we have to wait for the video. Yeah, it, it'll that'd be a cool piece because we got a good fast blast out of that. That was fun. I have, um, I have four cars I wanted to call out from Track Day. Okay, because they all left a big impression on me. Mm. All right. Um, one that may surprise you is the LC five hundred, the Lexus. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I didn't love it on the track, but I kept thinking. In my brief time with it, if I was this buyer, if I was shopping for a nice, classy GT car, sure, it'd be right near the top of the list. Money, no object, so. just go drive this car. I was very impressed. I, I couldn't be farther from the market of this car. I, 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 but I actually sit in it and just go, I get it. You nailed this market segment. Well done. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like when you see you know, an S-Class Coupe. With an old guy driving sure. it, and you think, all right, sir, you are the perfect market. You mm-hmm. you have done it. You've achieved Mercedes' goal in buying that car because of the way you look and who you are and probably have a bunch of money and all that stuff. <laughs> but this was surprising to me mm-hmm. because I actually really did like it, and I kind of came in with a bad attitude towards it. Mm, interesting. Honestly, and I just thought, all right, it's going to be just soft. It's just going to be Lexus does a yeah. grand tour. And in sport plus mode, mm-hmm. it was controllable. The tail outs up the, up the hill at Big Willow. The Omega, yeah, was yeah. was surprising. Mm-hmm. And it danced a little, and then it was controllable. And yeah. then I thought, 
oh, we've got some personality here. Yeah, I hear you. This I hear got you. interesting real quick. Pretty cool. I agree. Pretty cool. Uh, I have to say it because I would not get out of it. The updated uh, 86 <laughs> platform, the yeah. BRZ with the track pack and the updated dampers and, and, and tires and braking. The fact that I just got in it any time it was parked and nobody was in it, I've got to call it out. I know I owned one. Yeah. But that car in that environment. And here's the thing. Big Willow's a speed track. Oh, sure. It, it's, it, it's, it doesn't really lend itself to what the BRZ does well, and it speed. was still glorious. So I have to call out that updated version. This is, of course, the Subaru with the updated dampers and everything. Very impressive. Well, Brew on Instagram asked if you would go back to an 86 if they dropped a WRX motor in it. Would you go back to this platform? Here's That's thing. a huge question, actually. I would go back to the platform if I was actually chasing a track car. Okay. But not I would for not all around. You, I, I would. Here's the thing. I think I would go 86. Personally, would go 86 platform for a track car over Miata. Now, if I was in a place where the track car I was buying for track use was going to get daily, I'd still be fine with it. Sure. But sure. I just because of course the problem with tracking is consumables. There's so many parts for that car. It's a cheap car. It's a, it's a car you don't have to be precious about because it doesn't cost much. Yeah, true. All the things that are true about the Miata, but I would go 86 platform for the track all day long. You would. And then of course I have that weird splinter in my brain. If I could do what I wanted, I'd have a project car with an 86 and put an LS motor in it and make the Corvette I want to have, which is a Corvette. <laughs> I know. You keep talking about the this. The Corvette that weighs less than 3,000 pounds. Does a company out there build this currently, or is this just floating around as an idea right There's now? a company out there that builds uh, like an insert kit that, ha- that, that mounts the, the bolt-in plates on the chassis. Okay, so yes. it's an adapter. You don't have yes. to do a lot of cutting and welding. Well, and I'm sure thing. you have to do far more than you think. Right, right. But, and I am not that guy. But but it just intrigues me. I have to give a shout-out to Nate for bringing up the idea and, and also curse you, Creed. Nate, for the fact that it will not leave my brain. <laughs> okay, so you said you had two other cars from track day that stuck out? Yeah, last two. Um, Mercedes-AMG GT. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to call it out. God. Again, I don't know that I'm the guy for that car either, but... Wow. Yeah. Agreed. And competing directly with that, a little more my flavor, the Jaguar F-Type, with the 400 specifically. Which was so surprising because that is all-wheel drive. Now, this 400 Sport version is only for the 2018 model year, is our understanding. Mm -hmm. It does come in all-wheel drive, but the front end, that handling was still so direct, communicative, and light. It was amazing. And the fact, wait, this is all-wheel drive? I mean, that's a contender for the the future all-around car from Mm -hmm. living in Utah, honestly. Yeah. I could see that happening for you. And and it's it's a car that is – that's my kind of GT car. Sure. I can definitely see it. I see it and I like it. You know what I mean? It had the feel like a a BMW does, and I I wrote this down actually, the way BMWs are very mechanical – and then they feel like the sum of their parts, but you can feel that part moving. You can feel that part doing its thing. Sure, sure, sure. It okay. definitely has that mm-hmm. vibe to me rather than just, all right, everything is seamless and, you know, it, it, it's got a raw feel to You're it. You're kind of aware of what's going on. I yeah, see that. And I, so. and I really liked it. And, it, and it, it spoke to me in the kind of cars I like for sure. Well, jumping off from there, I agree. But drove both those cars as well, but I'm going to add the AMG E63. I'm always mm. a sucker for the the hot rod four door sedans, and this car just floored me. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I had an opportunity to get in the BMW 550i, the brand new 2018 car. Now I know it's not the M5 and it doesn't compete, 
I wasn't impressed with this car, mm, specifically the braking power. Didn't oh, wow. like it at all. Huh. And I'm kind of tired of BMW doing the same thing in the interior, the same design. Mm. Let's move on. Mercedes certainly has. And that E63 is everything and more what you think it is. It's, it's got such a different uh, feel in terms of the materials and the engineering coming up through the wheels. It doesn't feel you know soft in that way or firm in that way. It's it's just it's a race car with a four door sedan body. It's insane and incredibly well sorted. I loved sure. that sure. car. Interesting. And then I was really impressed by the Infiniti Q60. Also a car I kind of came in with a little bit of a bad attitude, and I thought, all right, I need to get in this. I need to find out about this car. I'm curious. So, all right, let's go drive it. Four hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah, actually quite delightful to drive once I figured out Infinity's way of approaching all the controls and buttons and things in the cockpit. Sure, yeah. Once I got past, past all that, I was looked down. I was doing well deep into triple digits. Comfortable, happy, interested in going, all right, so Infinity's come to play. Yeah, for I sure. I like this car. For sure. I like the styling. I see him on roads more and my head is turning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then finally the Trackhawk Jeep Grand Cherokee. Of course, I had to get in this. That's right, thing. you did drive that. That's right. Yikes is all I have to say. When people buy this car at forty thousand dollars mm. or thirty thousand, it's going to be like the Hellcats. Yeah, it's the Hellcats in trees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it was surprising. It. I, I described this before on the podcast we did right after track day. Yeah, yeah. And it was the, you know, the getting up to speed feeling where you, you're at a standstill and you punch it and you're, we're getting up to speed and suddenly we're going faster and faster. That doesn't exist <laughs> with the track hawk. It just is. When you're at a standstill and you punch it, suddenly all that is gone. You're just at warp speed instantly. Wow. It's double the power of my current Jeep Grand Cherokee. Which is nuts. Which is, I mean, because the last thing you think when you ride in your current Jeep Grand Cherokee is, this is really down on exactly. power. Exactly. Up that an on-ramp, up a hill. Of anything you're thinking about in that car that might be a problem, that isn't even in your brain. Yeah. And now you double the power. That's it's shocking. Just, all that, hey, we're accelerating, going through the gears, and suddenly we're gathering speed is gone. You're just... Because you are gone. Yeah. <laughs> you're just leaving, you know, yeah, everything in your wake. But... Yes, it doesn't really handle that well. I mean, the the feel is devoid. But then you think, I mean, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. What what on earth? How is this possible? Wow. One other car that made a massive impression on me that is actually part of our upcoming season, and we didn't that, that we didn't really shoot this episode because of this car. It was just a car we had available, and this is no first world problem because it was wonderful. The the Z06. Oh, yes. The Corvette Z06. Yeah. We had the Carbon 65. We had it on Laguna, and we had it on PCH. And that was just one of those iconic days in our experience where I kind of looked around a couple times during that weekend and just thought, we're doing this right now. This yeah. is what we get to do, which <laughs> no was kidding. amazing. And that no Z06 kidding. is simultaneous. It, it's living in two parts of my brain simultaneously. You it mentioned, is, by the way, everybody, Todd has an unhealthy obsession with these right now. And I every time do. one drives by, he's craning his neck. And I kind of do. You want a Corvette it's, Z06? It's simultaneously two things. It's simultaneously an unnecessary car on every possible front. Totally. Power, everything it does. It's totally. unnecessary, unusable, etc. And yet I borderline need one. <laughs> it, is, it is operating in both categories. Which is so surprising to me. I just never, I never had you pegged as a Corvette person. I know. Now... The Corvette is brilliant as a car. It so is. car it enthusiasts is. worldwide will appreciate this car. Yeah. And the Z06 is a shocking, shocking performance car. <laughs> and that, really that those two days in those two different environments just solidified it. Yeah. You know, everything from hammering down the front straight at Laguna 
to at one point at sunset with the top off, uh, just cruising yeah. along PCH. I couldn't believe it. I actually had I had somebody ride with me. One of our patrons was out at the track. Oh, that's right. Sean and, and Jason were out at the track. That's right. And their dad was there, and he wanted to ride with me during one of our sessions. We weren't running camera. And, I, and also Edgar rode with me. That's true. And I had made the comment. I forget to which one of them, but I had made the I think it was actually Edgar. I made the comment that if you entered the front straight, turn 11 at Laguna. If you entered the front straight, anybody that was between that corner, turn 11, and the Mazda Bridge, anybody in that span – no matter how fast they were, you could pass them in the Z06 in that span. Easy. And Edgar didn't Easy. think that was true. And he got out after riding with me and was like, you're right. Whoever – we turned the corner. Whoever was in front of us, that's who's getting passed. Yeah, you're right. I, I took Jason. Yeah. And you took his dad. The Z06 was shocking. Yeah. Fast. So I have to bring that up because it's just it, – it's a splinter in my brain now. <laughs> well, there's a couple of cars that I thought you and I would drive this year. Okay. That I I genuinely <laughs> thought we would get seat time in these cars, if okay. not shoot a film around these cars for sure, TV. Sure, sure. First one would be the Acura NSX. Yeah, everybody's driven it. this. Yep. It's around. It's out. I I do want to get into one. I want to put it with the right car. You and I have been talking about that. We episode. have. We have. Yeah. And the Kia Stinger. Yeah. Yeah. Short list. The the folks at Kia, the the good folks there, said that it would be available as a press car in November, and November was so busy. Yeah. We didn't have any time for this car. We couldn't touch it, yeah. So I do want to get into both of those. And, yeah, I'm, I'm as intrigued by the Stinger as everybody else. This should be interesting. Uh, we've got to get into this car. Mm-hmm. and uh, As well as the Civic Type R. That's got to happen, too. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, all these are still on our minds. If you've got cars that you want, you think we should get into, please let us know. Uh, and then, of course, the Hyundai i30N. But I'm just going to go sob in a corner Forbidden waiting fruit, for yeah. that. Just... I really wish that that would be here. I, maybe it will in the future, but yeah. Well, I wish for that. Car. The Alpina is now there for me. We're not supposed to get that yeah, car. Yeah, true. Come on, guys. Yeah, Renault's building. We've got to go five hundred of them or something to start. We've got to go on an offshoot of one of our Europe trips just to figure out how to drive that. Yeah, car. we need to call Renault, yeah. get into an Alpina, and we need to make a, uh, yeah. a an episode in Europe around that car. I Absolutely. agree. Let's do all of that. I, yeah. We probably should go to a break real quick, but but I do want to bring this up for maybe when we come back. Lots of great questions when we come back. But Jeff Hober wrote in and did rapid-fire questions that relate to this. He asked, car of the year, and I will say, Jeff, right now, I will not declare a car of the year. It's like, what's the best car ever? I, you got to give me some parameters. Yeah. I can't declare one the winner, but here's been a lot we've listed. But he did say, best rear-wheel drive winner car, best SUV for the track, Best track car you can take through a car wash. I love that question. <laughs> best five-seat canyon carver and best new car under 30. I want to answer all of those rapid fire after the break. I'm not going to do just cars we drove this year. I'm just going to answer those rapid fire in general, shooting from the hip. But uh, we should do that and many other questions in just a minute. Hey, all. Let's talk a little bit about Amsoil. You know why we like Amsoil so much? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of motorsports and power sports, and they get it. You know, recently, Amsoil created a guide containing information about how to increase horsepower in your vehicle. It's got insider tips from some of the best in the business on how to coax more power out of your engine. You can get your free copy at amsoil.com slash driver. That's right. There's a code connected to this show, amsoil.com slash driver. While you're there, you can find out about all of Amsoil's products. Remember, they've got their Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil. says it delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss than what's required. Now, I'm not a guy that tests these things, but these tests exist, and that's the stat. 
Remember, go to amsoil.com slash driver to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. You can do that right now. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Well, hey, guys, we are back for the second half of the episode. Uh, JDR on Facebook has asked about best bumper stickers you've seen. Has Paul driven the Soul Turbo? And he is currently road tripping from Denver to Chicago. So could you please make this podcast 16 hours? Well, JD, you could listen to, to 16 times, but or, I don't well, recommend that. But there's – what is this? Almost like episode 258 or something? 258, yeah. So we have – you have more than more than 10 days of total podcasting. So just back up a bit and catch <laughs> up, my right. friend. That's what you need to do. Somebody asked, actually asked the history of the show. I want to remind yes, thank you, you for mentioning episode that. 52 is a one-hour breakdown of the history of the show, history of Paul and I's friendship. So anytime you want to grab episode 52, you can. You can hear that whole thing done in massive detail and breakdown. Yes, agreed. Well, we do have to get to Jeff Hober's question here on Facebook, You know, asking for car of the year, but we'll actually do some of these breakdowns, as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I- I'm intrigued what you've got for some of these categories here. Best rear-wheel drive winter car, SUV for the track, track car you can take to the car wash we mm-hmm. know it's not yours yeah exactly it's not a, it's not a lotus <laughs> definitely not the best five seat canyon carver and again the best new car under 30k yep uh, i haven't put a whole lot of thought to this yet but i'm i know stuff will hit me well best track car you can take through a car wash i love the subtext of that jeff i really really do because <laughs> the underlying we could thought. all list track cars the lotus is one the sure. ariel adam the caterham the, but the minute you take any of those through that they're all out. They're yeah. all out. Yeah. The BAC motto, out. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So I'm going to say the 86 platform because it's even better than the Miata. Agreed. It's a great Agreed. track car. Yeah. It shines on the track. And yet I took mine through the car wash all the time. It's a car. It's a car. It's a normal car. You yeah. can drive it any normal way. And, oh, look, it's dirty. Let's run it through the automatic car wash while all the enthusiasts cringe. And I'm, and I'm cringing along, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, 86 platform just wins there. That's not a convertible, too, or, or a soft top. Exactly. Say. Which is why it beats the Miata. Sure, why it beats the Miata, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually a good one. All right, so what else on here? Let's do uh, SUV for the track. SUV for the track is there's two. The, we already mentioned it. The GLA AMG 45. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Because it's essentially, as I said before, a hot hatch. But if you want to go real SUV, and if I'm going to go real SUV, it's got to be bigger than that small five-seat class. Okay. And then I go Cayenne. Yeah. I'm with you on the Cayenne. Although I did drive the new X3 at Motor Press Guild Track Day. I was convinced by one of the press fleet guys Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. get in the car. I actually liked it better than the 550i that I drove. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I was actually pretty impressed with this. The brakes were excellent. Mm-hmm. The dynamics were great. And I thought, okay, all right, the new X3. The BMW SUVs Bring have definitely it. come to play for sure, Dig for it. sure. But I remember that time years ago, we actually had the opportunity to drive Cayennes on the track. And I remember thinking, Porsche made an SUV. And I got on the track and went, what is going on here? And that was <laughs> years before I bought one. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. All right, so what else? Uh, best rear-wheel drive winter car? I'm going to say 911. Interesting. Because we see a ton of them here. And of course, yeah. you know, you want weight over your drive wheels, but I'm discovering in the Mini, I know this sounds odd, the, look, the Mini's been a perfectly good winter car. I don't have any actual complaints, but I'm just realizing I miss the rear wheel drive dynamics in the snow. Sure. But sure. the 911 
is usable. It's designed to handle the winter. We see them all. Now, granted, we see a lot of 4Ss here in Park City, but we see a lot of 911s in general driven year-round. And your drive wheels are in the rear, and so is your engine weight. You have to do very little convincing of me to uh, to agree with that one. But I will say any winter car with winter tires. Oh, well, that's that's a foregone conclusion. Has to have winter tires on it. There, there is a question that I want to segue after this one. I, I want to segue into about Jason Finsky's mm-hmm. recent video about winter tires and. I know. I'm glad we're going to talk about that. That's good. But uh, what else? Five seat Canyon Carver. Currently, do you want to not be driving in a five seat Canyon car? Alpha, Alpha Julia. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose I, I, so. That's a genuinely now. Of course, look, I'm going to have to say Chevy SS because that's up there too. But Alpha Julia genuinely is fun on a Canyon road. Yeah, it really is. I agree. And then best new car under 30K. Oh. This is one of those kind of like car of the year where we've got to give it some parameters. Yeah. But if I'm going to, but but if you say that to me, where I go is, I go, I know this sounds odd, I go the middle ground car, the car that might not be, excel in anything, but is awesome in so many categories. It's like an eight say. in lots of categories. It's not a full enthusiast car. It's not a yeah. full commuter. I wind up Mazda 3. Do you really? Yep. That's funny. I'm with you on that one. I, I was going to say, you know, the, the hot of whatever the hot version mm-hmm. of something is very easy to, to choose. But otherwise, I mean, could go Volkswagen stuff. The GTI yeah, GTI is up there for sure. I, I think it is definitely. But uh, otherwise for me to get into the focus and the fiestas and mm-hmm. the, all that stuff, you have to go to the hot version, but Fiesta but, doesn't exist anymore as a new car. Focus ST. Okay. And then the RS is not 30 grand. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Like I said, I wanted to segue into this question uh, down here. Um, this was uh, pretty interesting. I think it was on uh, Facebook is where it was. Let me see here. Oh, yes. It was um, it was Brian okay. on Facebook, Brian H., asking if we saw the latest engineering explained video on summer versus winter tire performance yep. in cold weather yep, but saw dry this. roads. Mm-hmm. So the gist of the video, if you haven't seen it, very intriguing. Very cool. So Jason takes his S2000. Mm-hmm. And he drives in three separate times on a straight road, summer tires only, so mm-hmm. it's cold outside. It's like 26 degrees, yeah. Yep. And then he jams on the brakes, so he's letting ABS take, you know, do all the work mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. different times. And then he does the same thing with winter tires mounted. Yep. He makes a few uh, uh, just kind of side notes about tire width. They're a little bit um, narrower. Mm-hmm. Um, on the winter tires yeah, and yeah. Uh, just ABS alone in the cold and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think that really comes into play too mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. But what he found was the winter tires gave him, well, not gave him, it's not a gift. It's more, you know, it, it exceeded the summer tires by about 30 to 40 feet in braking, in braking distance braking, yeah. after, you know, after you would jam on the brakes. Mm-hmm. But again, a test like this has to be done with controlled environments and controlled things because my thought is okay that's interesting and i'm i'm it's intriguing that the summer tires were better to me that they did as well as they did i agree with that i'm intrigued by that and he mm-hmm. did mention they do better of course in hot weather of course no that, that's that's the worst those summer tires will ever do right yeah and they still true. just in sheer braking in these conditions is key that's the big thing yeah because as soon as you introduce any curving road or anything resembling moisture yeah you know frozen or otherwise yeah things go right out the window. And so that's where I thought, all right, in a controlled test like this, very surprising. It's a very cool test. That I was very surprised. That's not the, hey, you can drive your summer tires all year round or whatever. No, 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 no. That was not the gist of it. It was just sort of, you know, he's feeling the tire squirm, Mm -hmm. the softer rubber compound, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff in the winter tire, 
which was again very interesting to me but well you know we can drive our cars on the cold winter days and be okay of course i wouldn't yeah. push it yeah because you know things are as he's found braking distances are very reduced but i take winter tires in cold weather regard well he has a middle section there that's not an on-road test section where he takes that s2000 up on a mountain road that's snowy right. and he has this kind of little aside talking about how amazing winter tires are when you have anything on the road and he's absolutely right that's been our experience this is yeah. why i drove an frs year round through blizzards and didn't care and people looked at me like it was me and suvs that's all that was on the road so you can do it i want to come back to the key thing here is the dry road yeah exactly so i want to say in general if you are Go back to American history. If you live in the South, <laughs> you live in the South. In general, let's let's you know. I'm just going to pick randomly Oklahoma City and below. Okay. Draw a line Oklahoma City and below. Don't buy winter tires. Look, I, I grew up in Houston. My wife grew up in Dallas. Yes, it occasionally snows there, and the whole city stops. Since the whole city stopped, you're fine to stay at home. Okay, they have no <laughs> right. ability to deal with this anyway. You don't need winter tires on. Right. If you live in a place, let's say up in the Northwest, where the coldest you'll get this year is 35. Keep your summers on. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's going to be 35 degrees yeah. and it's going to be rainy. Just keep your summer tires on. Yeah, agreed. But if you're hanging out below 40 degrees, and I mean 40 is your highs, below 40 degrees like we do, and you're going to get any kind of weather, Yeah, you need to be on winter tires. Yeah. And right now, look, I'm kind of hating the Utah, summer, the Utah winter right now. Because it's cold with almost no snow, sure. spitting rain now and then, occasional moisture, hanging out at like 25 degrees. It's just cold and dry. Bummer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm not pulling the Lotus out. The Mini is covered in all of the road grime reasons. I need to post this picture. All the road grime reasons why the Lotus is currently parked. <laughs> but I'm thrilled to have the winter tires on because anytime the weather shows up, I drove uh, in, the snow, in a snowstorm yesterday. Yeah, right. Me and didn't care. Fine. Great. Let's do it. It's excellent. So if you get any – this is the thing. The dry road and the total temperature. So if you're in a place where it's not going to get that cold, yeah. Look, I'm also going to say there isn't a middle ground here for me where it's like I should get some all all seasons. No. Good summer rubber or winter rubber. I'm not – the all season is a one-size-fits-all shirt, which means it kind of fits nobody, but at least you're covered. Yeah, sure. I can see that. Mark D on Facebook is asking – well, he's asking – actually stating he's a Porsche Kool-Aid drinker. Welcome to the family. (laughs) What BMW would you recommend as a daily driver? He's got currently a 996 as his daily. And somebody else answered the question with M2, which I agree with. But I will say anything from the 2 Series, to be honest. If you mm. want to go 228, blessings. Mm. I would, I could see the 235i, to be honest, if you're not going brand new to the 240i. Yeah, but the M240 if possible, yeah. The, the 235 is brilliant mm-hmm, fun. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. I don't know that I'd go any bigger car, to be honest. M3s maybe, but then you're getting pretty expensive. Well, I mean, I, maybe. My, the secondary question is what do you need this car to do? Because the E90 four-door M3 is a great one. I would expect everything that he's expecting out of his 996. Mm-hmm. The fun, the, hey, I can go twisty. And then the two is, is, is big enough. You're right. Exactly. And then I can still take stuff. It's got a real trunk, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I would expect that. But, yeah, something out of the two series lineup would be my, my recommendation. Uh, Dammy wrote in asking about a car we never discuss and doesn't get discussed in general. What's up with the Pontiac Solstice? Oh, yeah. Uh, are they worth getting into? Here's the thing about that car. We actually drove it. For the original TV pilot a decade ago. Amazing. The Solstice. Oh, my gosh. 
it's not a great piece, but it still exists on on YouTube if you'd like to look up Don't us go. ten years ago. <laughs> that'll fright. Look, I'm not even going to go because I know it will be a horror show. So anyway, uh, but anyway, I that exists. Recommend it. But we actually drove even the base version, which is only like 170 horsepower. The the turbo one had like 260. Okay. Yeah. That was an incredible first attempt by GM. Yeah. It was, yeah. I would say, 85 90% what it could be right out of the box. That was a car desperately in need of a second gen to refine it and make it great. Agreed. The problem, more, with them is, the problem with them is they were so one-off and then died with the death of Pontiac. We have a friend in Chicago, Ben. Yeah, right. Nate's buddy, Ben. Yeah, right. Who had a Solstice as his track car. The list of stuff from Ben of where he'd gone in the GM parts bin to replace things was shocking. Yeah, right. All over the GM parts catalog, because that's how this car was built. So the rotors are off this truck, and the control arms are off this car. It was was like a scavenger hunt for him, which is why he finally got rid of the car, even though he loved it. Yeah. So this is the problem, is it was a moment in time at GM that needed refinement and then got killed. Mm -hmm. It's better to drive than you think. It has some of the worst storage in the history of man. <laughs> Read no storage at all. Some nasty exactly. plastic interior bits. I actually think the Saturn Sky is a little bit better in the interior. It's a low bar. I was going to say a Saturn having a better interior. That's hmm. horrifying, isn't it? But, yeah, but the, the way that the uh, ever uttered the way that the back clam opens and the quote unquote <clears throat> trunk space right. is ridiculous. Right. But it's a surprisingly good chassis. No, I agree. I think Pontiac got very much caught up in the just the the arrowhead styling mm. and and trying to incorporate that everywhere and the side cladding and all that stuff to continue they needed a refresh of their design language personally i think they they just needed that unfortunately the brand got killed because that that could have been the performance and electric and all that kind of stuff within GM. Could have, should have. Yeah, I agree. I could definitely see that. But yes, it needed a second or third generation mm-hmm. to get good and the styling not be so eh, cartoony. It had mm-hmm. some goofy surfaces on it, and I think it was rushed. The The concept and proportions were there, and I yeah. loved the idea, but then it was sort of, all right, we're just going with it because we got to get it done. And there were some surfaces that I thought, all right, it looks a little bit... Uh, just unrefined and a little sure, bit cartoony sure. to my eye now. Mm. Then it was sort of like, cool, Pontiac's doing something small, weird. Yeah. You know, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought surprisingly good for first try. Yeah, it, it was excellent. And then the Saturn was, you know, a Saturn. And we just slapped some Saturn badging and taillights on it. Yay. Two questions that were almost identical. One on Facebook, one on Instagram. Christopher Gotsky uh, wrote in on Facebook, and uh, Jay Doherty seven eight seven wrote in on Instagram, with almost the same question. Accidentally, Christopher is asking, "How's the rear rear, rear seat space of an FRS, mm, which he right. has, compared to a nine nine six or nine nine seven? Is it usable for his whole family? He's only five seven. His wife's only five one. They have a couple of kids." Meanwhile, Jay Doherty wrote in and said, "Can I fit my whole family, me, wife, and?" two seven-year-old twins in the back of a 997. Almost the exact same question. First off, I'm going to say this. Love it. The 991 has a genuine rear seat if you are not trees like Paul and I. Okay? (laughs) Exactly. The 997 has 90% of a genuine rear seat. You also, have to, you also have to not be trees. Perfect for kids. If you watch our 50 Years 911 film, the 997 we had then was driven by a mom. It was her only car. Yeah, amazing. She had two kids. So 
her daughter would sit in the passenger seat and her son behind her, and they were fine. And they did all of the normal life stuff. I think her daughter at the time was like 14, and her son was like 10. Yeah, school runs, okay. Home Depot, so, on and on. Uh, Christopher, I think you could probably pull it off. You guys are short. Let's be honest. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know, or Jay Doherty, I don't know how tall you guys are. That's the big deciding factor. If you are around six feet, you will not get anybody behind the driver. You won't. Yeah. But that's but this is the consideration. I mean, you did it with your family in uh, in the '86. You guys and, went for that run, and the, the FRS has you did it. The FRS has a little more space than the 997. <laughs> Crazy to think about, but but the FRS I will say yes to both. My my wife is five six, and my son behind her at the age of five was okay. Yeah. Neither one of them had as much room as they'd like, but both of them were fine. And right. then, of course, you know, big behemoth me, I had to, you know, Sasquatch has got to take the seat all the way back <laughs> and touch the back seat because there right. wasn't any more room. But if you're not that size, the 997 could get it done if you're little. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, excellent questions, guys. It continues with B-Bugs on Instagram asking me if I will mod my future tow vehicle. <laughs> it means lift, tires, winch, huge rack, <laughs> and lights. I will say that I have to tread carefully in this arena. First of all, budget. I mean, huh. there's so many things to go spend money on, right? Yeah. But I, um, talking to my dad, and he he was servicing the car for me. I'm going to go pick it up over the uh, the holiday weekend and drive it back. And he just keeps saying how much he loves the car, Uh-oh. but he can't really use it anymore. Yeah. And it sits. It's so sat now you got to be careful. Driveway yeah. for a long time. So I have to be careful if I do too much to it. If I really like oh what'd you do to my car is going to be the the response i i'll get so i have to be cool about it and hey you know we all have that stuff in our families mm-hmm. like you know you get a hand-me-down car or whatever that is yeah and uh so i just i have to i have to tread lightly because he loves it so sure, much sure he never wanted to get rid of it yeah. and it's got a lot of life left in it yeah it does yeah I mean, it does i'm yeah let's take it to two hundred thousand. you're counting on it you're counting I, on i kind of yeah. need it to be really reliable but it's a 2012 expedition six years old now at this point and i i think it'll run for a long time it's a big truck it's huge actually <laughs> you can almost park your mini and your lotus in the back of this thing it's frightening yeah we just we don't even a trailer just we just need ramps <laughs> I don't need a trailer. I just need some ramps. That's Funny. what we need to do. Uh, Ed the Sled wrote in and said, uh, favorite automotive or car books we recommend. He's looking for a read over the holidays. Ed, I'm going to give you an, uh, one that I know other people have mentioned. It's I may have mentioned it on the podcast before. I'm not sure, but it's fiction. Okay. I know you could read a lot of cool autobiographies. Um, I, I'm a big fan of fiction. There is one that got recommended to me, and I, and I read the description and went, really? So I don't want to oversell it to you, but I went in kind of not sure if I was going to like it and loved it. It's called The Art of Racing in the Rain. Mm. There's racing in this. There's dog ownership in this. There's fatherhood in this. It's weird that all of those are mixed together. It is superb in all of those categories. I think it is a solid book in any of those three areas. I mean, there was that book a while back, uh, Marley and Me, about a family and a dog. Oh, sure. Made yeah. everybody cry. Yeah. Okay, I'm a dog owner. I'm a sucker. Yes, made me cry too. But there's that element that would have been a perfectly good book. There's the father-daughter story that would have made a perfectly good book. Could have been a father-son story That's just as cool. well. And then there's the whole racing element, and they're all wrapped together. It's just a really cool book that I think car people and especially parents and dog owners, all of you would like it. So there you go. Well, Mindspin on Instagram has a lot of questions. Yeah, I'll try cool. to touch on a few. Saying, Julie just won the car of the year from Motor Trend. Should we all run out and buy one? 
the BMW 3 Series has lost its way. Will this change? And has BMW jumped the shark? And then the V90 Volvo, so the huge uh-huh. V90 wagon, yep. is beautiful and expensive and special order only. Mm-hmm. Why do Americans hate wagons and love impractical crossovers? Now, he's seeing a few more wagons around. Are wagons making a sneaky comeback? Not really. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I, I don't think Honestly, they're not. I'd, I'd love it if they were. I mean, I fell in love with the Audi RS4 in Frankfurt. I want that car in America, but sadly, we're not going to get it. He goes on to ask why cars are, new cars are so uninteresting right now. Lots of questions. All right. So, yes, the Julia is great. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's for everybody. It's not. The base Julia, we found the seats to be severely lacking. We didn't like them. Yeah. And I think that would keep me from buying the car, mm-hmm. even though we liked it a lot. Not everybody can afford the Quadrifoglio. And everybody's seat impressions are different. Yes, very true. I mean, as we found with, mm-hmm. with you know, shorter people in the Fiesta ST versus Absolutely. tall people in the yeah, Fiesta totally, ST. Yeah, totally, totally. We've talked about this. The 3 Series losing its way, I think, I think BMW, especially the interiors, are floundering right now. I think they're just kind of... Uh, prolonging the next 3 Series model because the next 3 Series has got to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're into how many generations are we now? 10 or more? So it's got to be really, really good and bring some new dynamism and new thinking and all of that stuff because it is such a benchmark. But yes, the the V90 is beautiful. I agree. We saw one at Track Day. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, it was there. I saw one in uh, Munich, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing mm-hmm. them around. They're gorgeous. They're useful for a lot of things, and I think people realize that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Jaguar had the XF shooting brake, well, the wagon, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the LA Auto Show. Mm. And mm. I know they're going to bring bringing that to North America. I think people will discover them kind of a little bit more, and, and a few people will buy them. But I think the SUV SUV will only explode from here. It, yeah, that's not going away, and it's not going away because of ride height. Somewhere yeah. along yeah. the way, we've been convinced of two things. We've been convinced that if I get higher, I am safer because I can see more. Right. So this is the reason that those are we selling and will continue to sell. Better than than normal cars, and then you have the weird people like me who walk around looking over people's heads normally when I walk, so I get in a car so I can be down below their tail lights. I'm not sure what happened yeah. in my brain. I'm going the other way. Don't know where but that. But the reason the crossovers are, are succeeding is because of ride height. People yeah. are in love with that, and and so that's going to proliferate anyway. And the wagons. The only reason wagons are existing, there are certain car makers who are embracing the fact of of offering niche automobiles. We're going to make this platform, and we're going to offer it to the people that are going to want to buy it, and we know that's going to be a small number. And then in BMW's defense, yes, I think they are steadily walking away from their focus on being the ultimate driving machine. But they're doing it in search of profits. And while I would love for them to be an enthusiast brand, this is the reality of business. They they have – what they've done – because of the ultimate driving machine years, they've built up a (laughs) brand with mystique. Sure. I drive a car that is great to drive. You could get into a BMW not having a lot of driving experience and just assume, bring that brand baggage with you. I have a great to drive car. I bought a BMW. But then BMW can make those cars more palatable for more people, which, let's be honest, you end up making very nice Camrys. Yeah, and, okay. and you're buying it for the badge. You're buying it like, oh, I've always but, loved BMWs. I've always been intrigued with them, and now I can afford one. But they go, but they go less no. focused to sell more product. I get it. I don't like it as an enthusiast, but that's the reason for it. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. And then finally, why are new cars so uninteresting right now? I'd say it depends on the car, to be honest. I agree. And it depends on the price point, mm-hmm. because the Stinger GT is endlessly intriguing to me, and I think it's beautiful. And there's other examples, I think. Hyundai's doing well. Of course, Kia. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Now, the Clarity fuel seller, the 2018 Clarity Electric from Honda, makes me want to stab my eyeballs out. Sure. Because of the ugly. However, at least they're trying things. I get it. But, uh, yeah, there's interesting can be a bad word. Let's put it this way. Well, Toyota makes the Prius, and they make the 86. Yeah, true. Okay. All right. True. I think in 2018, we're going to see a lot of cars that are going to make us rethink that question. Subaru Mm. is going to really bring the noise, I feel like, for the Mm. next generation Whatever that is, the the WRX probably. I'm curious to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's closer and and incorporates some of those concept car styling it won't elements. Be. It won't be. It, 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 the, I, I still I, I need to learn hope. from the past. I Not going to maintain hope. I uh, what else? I mean, yes, BMW, Mercedes is making interesting, intriguing, excellent product. Um, what else? Uh, Volvo, interesting and intriguing. Yeah, for sure. If you haven't seen the new XC40. I challenge cool you to go looking. sit in one, mm. look at the package, and just be amazed yeah, yeah. by the car that doesn't deserve that interior in a hmm. good way. Hmm. That is cool. Be amazed with Volvo is my my thinking. I think they're going to continue to get very interesting because of drivetrains and platforms and all that stuff. I'm actually excited about 2018. I think what's interesting is there's a lot of splintering going on in the automotive industry. As sure, I can I think see that. The, the industry's trying to figure out where are the buyers because everybody's thinking that autonomous cars are around the corner. They're not. But everybody's thinking that autonomous cars <laughs> exactly. are just around the corner. And there's a lot of splintering of kind of the BMW model. I hate to come back to them again, but, oh, we have a car we could sell to that number of people. Let's make it. Yes. So that's yes, starting agreed. to happen. Uh, speaking of interiors, I wanted to talk real quick uh, on Instagram. The Legend Continues wrote, an e- uh, wrote a question straight to me and said, okay, the Lotus Pro Back seats are discussed as being some of the best ever. Now that I have a Lotus and I do have the Pro Back seats, I chased the 06 specifically because of a seat upgrade and a few other things. Right. right. Now that I'm driving around in those seats, am I kind of hating on other seats or are other seats not as good? Interesting question. The thing about those seats is here's why they're genius. If you look at them, especially if you take one out of the car, they are (laughs) – Why? Have you done that? I have a couple times. They are less the thickness than lawn furniture. They're unbelievably light and thin, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. The genius of them is that they are that light and thin, and yet once you get settled, you go, this is great. Yeah. This yeah. is comfortable. It's ergonomic. I, I'm comfortable, and I'm held in place, and it's this tiny, nothing little seat. Could you road trip from, say, L.A. to Utah in them? Maybe? The seat was the least of my worries. It was everything. <laughs> the seat was fine. I have I'm no sure. seat issues. I'm sure, actually. So that's the thing. They are amazing for what they are. There are a lot of guys that will take those seats, especially tall guys, and I am listening, will take those seats and put them in Miatas because they gain about three inches of headroom. Yeah. And yeah. they remain in a seat that has no weight, no structure, and yet is comfortable and great for track use. Honestly, though, I am aware that you cannot compare them to any other seats because they are that tiny thing. I love a really good, well-bolstered Recaro. Sure. Oh, yeah. 
seats that were in the Evo X or the current Z06 or the GT350 or on and on we go. The good seats in the Alpha uh, Quadrifolio or the M3 Competition Pack. These really sure. good bolstered seats that I know probably weigh 100 pounds by themselves. Exactly. Are that, fantastic that's the, seats. That's the deal. They're in a totally different category than the Lotus seats because the Lotus seats are just trying to be, honestly, amazingly comfortable while being nothing. But seats are very personal. Paul and I will both – you've seen us. We will both get in the same car. One of us will hate the seats and one of them will like us. Yeah. One of us will like them, which is crazy. And then you, if you're a different body shape than us, may get in a car that we complain about and be like, what's wrong with those guys? These seats are fine. Right, right. Well, keeping that theme, there's a question over on Twitter from Bioshock LGP who's asking about MR2 ownership. Mm. He is currently obsessed with the SW20 generation, which is I think late 80s through like 92, 93 somewhere in there, possibly 94. I have to look that up. But I know which one you're talking about. It's got that Targa roof on it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I, personally speaking, of all the MR2s, that was my favorite one. I, I liked the style the best. It looked like a substantial car, yeah. not something yeah. you could you know, flick like a crumb off your <laughs> tabletop. He would eventually love to own one. He's wanting our pros and cons and why you wouldn't own one. The biggest thing why you wouldn't is torso height. In that car, fair, kind fair. of back to the seat discussion we were just having mm-hmm. is how tall are you? How tall is your torso? Yes, you need to drive one. I do think they're very inexpensive, fun alternatives to many of the mid-engine cars on the market right now. And they're going to be ultra-reliable. They're going to be just loads of fun. Huge form and support for that car, yeah. And honest, Agreed. And honestly, because they don't have the built-in screens of the terrible nav systems from the early 2000s and late 90s, it actually ages well. It does. Those simple interiors age really, yeah. really well. I think that it has a lot going for it, as a matter of fact, and it still looks great. It does. It's yeah. like the Supra era and the MR2 mm-hmm. era. They look really, really good. When Toyota was killing it. Yeah. I say there's no reason to not own one eventually if that's what you're looking at, but definitely drive one first because mm-hmm. you know we've, we haven't driven that particular well, one and, yet. And keep in mind how old that height. car is. Well, true. Which true. means, in spite of it being a Toyota, you're just going to have money set aside for, oh, it's not working, and i got to get this fixed. Yeah, right. That's just, you got to go in with that headspace for cars that old. Right, agreed. One more question for me from Downshifter GT is asking about, will muscle cars leave the retro design fad, and where mm, do they go from good question. here? Good question. I'd I love to know what you think here. I do think that future muscle cars are always going to look back at the the little things that differentiate them, hmm. the scoops or the, you know, the Camaro has the, the triple indents now ahead of the rear wheels. I don't know or, if you heard, but a Mustang has sequential taillights. Woo! Yes, you always yeah. mention that. I, I, it's a marketing platform. I mean, you can build an entire brief to release to the public around sequential tire lights. Didn't entire you know this? paragraphs. This has happened. This is why People I rant about it. Entire paragraphs of the media press briefing are about how cool sequential taillights are. <laughs> and I said to Paul one time when there was once a Mustang with like four paragraphs in the press brief. And one of them was just taillights. It was like, you're having a bad day on new features if you've got <laughs> one quarter of the press brief is our taillights are sequential. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, no, I, I – um, in the 70s, they got away, drifted very far away from those muscle car roots. And look what happened to the Ford Mustang II, for example. Mm. They, they were terrible Yikes. cars. Yikes. Now, with tech and the way things are going, I think that I, I hope there's a merging of the, the sleeker, futuristic kind of tech aspect of mm. design mm. combined with a little bit of a taking cues, but not a look back. 
I don't always want to look that. back, but that. size and proportion will always be there. And the new sixth generation Camaro is a great example of this. Okay. It's a okay. smaller car. A little bit, yeah. Which it needed to be. We, Every, we didn't that's need the a, right direction. A hood for sure. as big as five barbecue grills. Yeah. The, we didn't both need of those cars need to get smaller. Both the Mustang and the Camaro could get smaller for sure. I hope that keeps going, but then they have to be careful. If they go smaller, will the you know the stretched haunches and the the muscular shoulders and all those kinds of styling cues that has to be explored. You know, a mm. lot of sketching, mm. a lot of form exploration to be able to pull that out and then still mm. yeah, okay. not just you know kind of shave everything off, but still make it have some unique personality. But you're always going to see those cues. Sure. You can always recognize them in the taillights and the rear fender flares and the you know, you can walk around the car and pull out, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like the yeah. modernized yeah, version yeah, yeah. of the thing yeah. that I remember from definitely, the 60s. Definitely. That will always be there, but I I hope the cars get slimmer and smaller and, and uh, we keep going that direction. It would be cool to see, for sure. I think uh, it would be nice to see – I would like to see a, a kind of restart on the Mustang and Camaro because I feel like while both of them right now look about as good as they, as they have yeah, sure. in the past probably 15, 20 years – they keep essentially just sharpening and refining a design they released in the early 2000s. Exactly. So where's the clean sheet that rethinks it? And of course, that's always you awkward. Be careful with that. It's always awkward Very because careful. yeah, because the the diehards will cry foul about the things you screwed up. Exactly. But at the same time, I'm very curious to see when they do the, do the full restart. Well, guys, we are coming towards the end. Cannot thank you enough for all the questions yeah. and the uh, the stuff you've written to us through the year. It's mm -hmm. been amazing. Yeah. And our podcast has grown, as you know. We're on the podcast one platform mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Been on it now, coming up six months, which I can't believe. Yeah. It was July speaking of that, next Wednesday, when we are not going doing podcast, next Wednesday, the twenty seventh, Spike Ferrison's podcast, uh, um, Spike's Car Radio, drops yes. with us as guests. So you'll also have us next week as well as a result of Spike's podcast. That was a fun one. We got to go to. LA and, and record that, which was cool. We will be back in well, January 2nd. It'll be very beginning of 2018. When you start your commute, we'll be right there with you. If you haven't rated the podcast yet, a lot of you have of late. Thank you. That, that does revolutionary things to keeping us in the top 10 and having other people find us. Just this week, I read another email about Found you guys six months ago. I'm going back through the whole back catalog. Cool yeah. to find you on the top 10. Thank you. That's how people are finding us. So thank you guys for that help. Agreed. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.